he wouldn't shut up, so we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show. Where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. No Brian LaMartina today as he is sick. Shirtless Tom behind the glass, although he's dealing with Brian LaMartina stuff right now. You can check him out on Twitter at buttonpusher970. Stan talked today about the Steelers not really having an identity, not knowing what they are, not knowing what they do well. I know what their identity is. It's that they're not a good football team. On offense, they're inconsistent and can't run the ball. Their best player, Antonio Brown, has played like a pedestrian all season long. On defense, they can't get a stop when they need to. They gave up a 6-minute and 40-second long drive in the fourth quarter last night that effectively sealed the deal. They give up big plays. They can't get after the quarterback. And when the other team wants to be able to run, they can. Think about the end of the Kansas City game. You know they're going to run the football, right? And what does Kansas City do? Final possession, first play, eight yards. Next play, first down. It's not about giving up a bunch of yards. It's about not being able to make the plays when you know that they're going to do it. The Steelers aren't very good. Far too penalized. That was a little bit better last night. However, the offense, which started poorly, one of the reasons why it did that was because on the second drive of the game, run on the first down, holding behind the chains, three and out, 14 nothing. You want to talk about identity. The identity is that they're not good at Heinz Field anymore. They're giving up 24 points per game over the last seven games, or pardon me, seven or 24 points or more over the last seven games at Heinz Field. They've started the last three important games at Heinz Field. Down 56-0. Baltimore, Kansas City, and Jacksonville. They're not doing much of anything right. They don't look to me like a team that's going to make the playoffs. They look a distant third in terms of competitiveness in the AFC North. And maybe, just maybe, Cleveland's better than them. Let's go to Hunter, who wants to talk some hockey here on the Crowley Show. What's up, buddy? Hey, Adam. Uh, I know it's a Monday after football, and, and I've, I've loved the takes. Um, have, you, have you talked much about uh, Tom Wilson today, the, our favorite urinal cake? Of course I have. Got into it a little bit. He's a douchebag. I wonder if the Washington media still thinks he's the victim. So so I, I've, I've looked, just searched his name on Twitter multiple times throughout the day just to kind of see if that same thing. And for the most part, there has been no defense of him. Now, there hasn't been any outward criticism, but I think they are starting to realize maybe that he's, he's a, a, a bad guy. Yeah, they're a little behind the times on that, aren't they? Uh, he yeah. he was suspended twice, twice in the preseason last year. He's killing people in the playoffs. He's reckless. He doesn't care about the well-being of his union members. 
Uh, he is a good hockey player. He's a great penalty killer. He goes to the front of the net. He's got some wheels. He's got sure. size. He's tough to play against. But he's a douchebag. I, I think he needs to realize that this isn't a league issue. This is a yeah. Tom Wilson issue. Yeah, let, let me let me ask you a question. I've sure. I've only been closely following hockey for about seven to ten years, um, and so I don't really remember the Matt Cook years. Were were we that naive that he was a terrible human being? I think Penguins fans justified it by saying Crosby gets his brains bashed in like a pinata all the time, so why don't we get to have our guy? I hated that rationalization, but I think a lot of Penguins fans did look at it that way. But were we more self-aware than Capital fans? Like, did we at least acknowledge that maybe he's a dirty player and not just saying, oh, it's just the way he is? Or I think that the pretty, media in Pittsburgh gave him a harder time than the Washington media did, and I think it's because the Pittsburgh okay. media is better at covering hockey than the Washington media is. Thank you for the call, Hunter. 412-922-2874. Penguins open on Thursday, and it gives me an opportunity to get some of this negative energy out of my life. Well, when the Steelers lose, I am bombarded in my mentions by people's negativity. The shows are consistently about what the Steelers have done poorly. And while that makes for fun radio, it also makes me want to bash my head into a window. Which is what Tom Wilson would do to me if I were out on the ice with him. The Steelers' offense is as culpable for losing the games that they've lost as the defense has been. Now, a lot of people are writing the defense off saying, well, they gave up only 26 points. They were pretty good in the red zone. They actually kept them out of the end zone, so it's not that bad. We'll get to that in a second because those takes are ridiculous. But the offense has had as much to do with these losses as the defense had. Go back to Kansas City. Again, they start out slowly. And then in the second half, when you're... In a seesaw game with one of the best offenses in the league, maybe the best offense in the league, we're seeing the Steelers not convert third downs when they're throwing the ball to Ryan flipping Switzer. In this game, it was the same. The Steelers need to be able to hold serve. Baltimore goes down, they kick two field goals. Hold flipping serve when you've got Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. And they can't. They don't. They know what they need to do to win games. They know they need to put up points, and they're still unable to do it with a Hall of Fame quarterback. So a lot of it is on the offense. It's bad starts. It's inability to finish. It's not being able to perform in key moments of the game. It's penalties that are untimely. The offense is supposed to be one of the best in the league, and I was told by a lot of people that they weren't going to miss Le'Veon Bell. Well, they do. If Le'Veon Bell plays... They may win that game last night. If Le'Veon Bell plays, I think they beat Cleveland because I don't think he fumbles at the end of the game. If Le'Veon Bell's playing, I think the Steelers at least have one more win than they do right now. Think about what he did in Baltimore last year. 186 yards. Touchdown. Think about what he did in Pittsburgh. Buck 20-something. Three touchdowns. They missed the guy. James Conner, since that first game against Cleveland, has run the ball for 3.03 yards per carry. People keep telling me, well, Le'Veon Bell, his yards per carry last year was 3.9. James Conner's 3.7, so it's not that far off. Once the league got the book on James Conner, after game number one, they've shut that dude down. He's been nothing. He's been an afterthought. Le'Veon Bell ain't ever an afterthought. That's why the Steelers wanted to pay him $30 million guaranteed. 
If the Steelers could run the ball, I think they'd be more efficient. If you're more efficient, you set yourself up for better down and distance. You do that, you're converting third downs at a better rate, and Antonio Brown, I think, has more space to catch the football. But without him, I was told they're not going to miss him. James Conner can do it. Running back by committee can do it. Nah, it's BS. But because that's what I was told, because the team itself said James Conner is good enough, the expectations still remain high for that offense, and they haven't lived up to the expectations. I realize they scored 37 points against Kansas City, but they started with three straight three and outs, and at the end of the game, they weren't able to go drive for drive. They weren't able to go tit for tat against that team. All right, now to the defense. You keep hearing it. The defense played well enough to win the game. I saw so many takes like that yesterday, and it's because it's all relative, right? Well, we're expecting to give up 40 points, so when you give up 26 points, hey, you can't be that mad. No, throw that nonsense out. Do you think Mike Tomlin looks at it that way? Do you think Mike Tomlin goes into a game and says, well, we suck on defense, so if we give up 26, we should be okay? I'm sure Ben Roethlisberger does. It's why the offense needs to be better. But you don't have to grade the defense on a curve. Don't give up 14-play drive, 11-play drive, 13-play drive. Don't give up a 6-minute and 40-second play drive. Don't give up a 71-yard pass. Get some pressure on the quarterback. The defense stunk. Flacco, after the game, said they left some points on the field. And then he said in his post-game press conference, quote, it didn't have to be hard today after saying he had thrown for 150 yards a couple times against the Steelers and walked away thinking that was hard and I did well. That's embarrassing. When Joe Flacco says it wasn't hard, it's embarrassing when Joe Flacco says there are more yards and points left on the field. Zero flipping pressure, getting burned so often in the first half. Keith Butler, who's doing a terrible job, said, we're rushing four, we're rushing three, death by a thousand paper cuts. No. That's terrible coaching. Blitz the snot out of him. Don't let him hit his first read. Don't let him go through his progressions. I suppose what I meant to say. Make him get the ball out of his hand on the hot. Then you tackle the catch. But at least make him uncomfortable. And they not once in that game made him feel uncomfortable. And there are two players that I think are more culpable than anybody else on this defense. Joe Hayden shouldn't be getting beat deep like he did a couple of times in last night's game. But Stephon Tewitt and Cam Hayward are on the freaking front of a milk carton. Zero sacks, zero tackles for loss in last night's game. They've combined for one sack in four games this season. They had no tackles for loss or sacks in the divisional playoff game last year against Jacksonville. When those guys are average or below average, the defense is going to be abysmal. They are average to below average right now, and the defense is horrendous. When you're going to rush four, when you're going to rush three, you need Cam Hayward and Stephon Tua to get after the quarterback. If they can't, you got to bring pressure. They couldn't. Keith Butler didn't bring pressure, and we saw six minutes and 40 seconds come off the clock because of it. Stan asked what the identity of this Pittsburgh Steelers team is. It's that they're not good on offense or defense. That's the stankin' identity. And they can't defend Heinz Field. They've given up at least 24 points in seven straight games. One, two, and one. With an Atlanta team that's going to put up 70 points on the Steelers coming in next week. With Cincinnati, who's the division leader, on the road. 
and they're playing as good a football as they have in a couple of years. Must win time right now. Got to figure it out, or else this team has the look of a team that could be picking in the top 10 in 2019. Coming up next, we talk to Mark Cabali of The Athletic about all that. It's Crowley Show. Adam Crowley. I'm pumped, man. How pumped? I'm ready to go. How pumped? You I'm ready tell to me go. Right now, right now. How pumped you are. Right now, let's go. You tell me. You tell her how pumped you are. All right, let's go right now, right here. Whoa, whoa. No, Jesus. No, no, you can't in the middle, whoa, whoa. In the middle yeah. of the prom. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. James Connors' first 31 carries this year. 131 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. That was all in the Browns game. He's got 32 carries since then, 97 yards, 3.03 yards per carry. He's just a guy. Other teams know that. They ain't scared of him, but they know how to defend him. The Steelers' offense is missing a huge element with Le'Veon Bell not being around. Mark Cabali from The Athletic joins us now to discuss Mark you think that the absence of James, or pardon me, of Le'Veon Bell is affecting the Steelers' offense? Starting the pot already, Adam, huh? You're damn right, pal. <laughs> no, I'll tell you the truth here. I think this past Sunday yesterday, the reason the Le'Veon Bell absence was was missed significantly, and you could finally tell it. It's not really to do with the running games, because Baltimore's pretty good against the run. They've held Bell in check. Uh, times before, I think last year, maybe not down there, but here they only held him to 40 or 50 yards. What we saw on Sunday that was really, you know, basically a blueprint of how you defend this team will be like what they did, play some, you know, too high safety zone, have your inside linebackers deep, have deep drops, let everything open, shorten in the middle, and let Ryan Switzer and James Conner catch the ball. And Baz McDonald here and Jesse James here and tackle the catch. You know, seven seven catches for Switzer, 36 yards. Not much more for James Conner with Le'Veon Bell. You can't necessarily do that. First of all, you can split him out wide and create a matchup. And second of all, if you want to dump it down to Le'Veon Bell over the middle, he has a chance of making it really, really hurt. Brian Switzer and company does not have that ability. So moving forward, I would imagine teams are going to do the very similar things because then you'll be able to double-team Antonio Brown with the high safety and tackle the guy in front of you and with no threat of, you know, breaking a long one. So I think it's not necessarily run game to you know, speak of or anything like that. I think the ability when when it's presented to you, you have to take this short throw. Nobody can take a five-yard pass and go 45 yards like Bell did. And I think that's what their game plan was on Sunday. Mark, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger are not at all on the same page. We saw in the Tampa Bay game, Ben tries the back shoulder throw on third down. In this game, again, a couple of times on third down, misfires from Ben. What in the sweet world is going on there? I don't know. I mean, you look at it, you talked about that second half where it was 46 yards or, you know, five minutes of time of possession. You know why? Because it was four straight third down conversions that Ben threw to ball to Antonio Brown. Three of them were incomplete, and one were, you know, intercepted. And two of the passes were just like 
totally not on the right page. I mean, how many times have we seen over the past eight years that that, that time you're out to the corner just to pick up a first down on third and eight and Antonio gets nine, Ben throws the ball before the break, and there's nothing you can do with it. You can't do anything about it. That's just not there anymore. And one across the middle, it's thrown behind him. I mean, I know Roethlisberger was pretty off on Sunday, but, I mean, how much does that have to do with maybe Antonio not in the right place? I'm sure it has a little bit to do with everything, but I think the quarterback really stunk last week. You would think. I mean, I, I had my binoculars glued on those two on the sideline for the entire second half. You would think if you had three uh, possessions of third downs where you really weren't on the same page, one might go up the other and say, hey, man, what happened there? Uh, I don't know. Man, they were like ships in the night passing on that sideline. You'd have a better chance of, uh, I don't know, I don't know, a good analogy of somebody else talking to Ben or A.B. and them talking to each other. Is it a coincidence? Possibly. But I don't think so. I mean, Josh Dobson went and talked to Antonio after one play for a couple minutes and retreated. I mean, something's off between them two, and something's off between those two on the game, on the field. And it's just evident. You can't, you know, they're not going to be able to win. They're not going to go where they need to go if those two keep continuing to play like they are, they're playing with each other. Mark Gabali of The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. Flipping over to the defensive side, Mark, it seemed to me that the Steelers were content with rushing three, rushing four, trying to not allow the big play in the second half. And then it was just death by a thousand cuts. I don't think it's the way you can operate. I think if you're going to give up yards, you're going to give up points either way, and you're not good at tackling the catch regardless, come after him, force him into some mistakes, at least speed Flacco's thought process up a little bit. Yeah, you, you would think that they had to do something, and something they did really wasn't effective e- either. So you would think that trying to get Flacco some pressure would be their best situation. But, you know, that West Coast offense tough where they take those two steps and get rid of it. I'm sure that had a lot to do with the game planning that even if they sent people, they weren't going to get to them. That was just going to open up a lot of underneath stuff. I mean, the Steelers should be good enough on defense to prevent 12, 14, 15 play drives, nine you know, nine-minute drives, and I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about multiple ones. They should be able to do that, and they're just not able to do it. I would like to believe that Morgan Burnett would help this because I think Terrell Edmonds is struggling. Uh, look at the long catch for John. Well, I don't even think it was a catch. I think Hayden knocked it down so late. Not, he's not supposed to get let anybody behind him. He's supposed to be deeper than the deepest guy. He lets John Brown Jeez, get I mean, behind him. I think atrocious. Burnett would help. I think Burnett would help, and I think Hilton would definitely help if he was back in there for because you know his run support and his ability too. But I don't know if you can count on Morgan Burnett because what he was he practiced about six times since April, <laughs> right? Yes, uh, Mark. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if you can really count on him being out there for an extended period of time, but I think they need him. Hayward and Tua have not been good enough. Why? Yeah, Tua more than Hayward, huh? Yes. Uh, I mean, heard the times. You know what was. Uh, crazy to me and some critical third down in short situations they had alu alu in there and i don't know if it was mccullers or somebody else in there instead of to it and it was it was hargrave and alu alu instead of to it and hayward i mean i know you don't want to wear these guys out but both of them played in about the 70 75 percent range in snaps 
I'd like to see them out there in critical third downs and shorts like like that. But once again, once you throw the ball quick like that, it's going to be very difficult for those guys to get home. But something's wrong. I mean, not wrong, but something's different about Tua this year. I thought he was on the verge before I mean, when he when he signed the deal of being the best defensive player on this team, and I'm talking even better than Cam Hayward. And this just went straight downhill. I mean, I'm saying he's a terrible player, but he's just not making plays. And you would think that that would turn around because he is such a good player and he has all the ability. But when you have a bunch of those guys not playing up to their capabilities, you know what you get? One of the worst defenses in the league. And I think, you know, I think that's where they're at right now. Mark, three 12 men on the field penalties, I believe. <laughs> What the they got F? one. They got, they got one off on time. They, uh, ran off on time. I don't know. I mean, especially I, I can understand late because uh, when Burhey went out, now you got Burhey out. Now you got Burnett out. Now you got Hilton out. I think Sensabaugh had to move to the slot, and Sutton had to move somewhere as well. So you're counting so, guys mean, that you wouldn't typically be counting whenever you're coming. Yeah, in. and and I believe one of the players afterwards said those guys didn't even practice at that position. So you had, you know you just had to make do. So that happened at least I think late. But I don't think there's no excuse for having 12 men on the field on the fourth play of the game, or no, 10 men on the field. On the fourth play of the game, remember that Lamar Jackson run that they called a timeout yes. right before that? Collinsworth said, well, this would have went for a touchdown. Yeah, because there's 10 people on the field. Then they come back out with 12. Burr has a runoff just at the last second. I mean, these are things you can't do. Last week in Tampa, they dumbed things down a little bit, for lack of better words. Um, they basically took the call on the sidelines and stuck with it. On Sunday, they didn't. Um, Vince was making checks. Bostick was making checks. And it seems to be late. Just how many times... Adam, has the play been snapped and John Bostic has been yelling to somebody behind him? Way too There's many. Been a number, been a number of them. That's not good. You don't know that. No, it's really, <laughs> really bad. I, I thought that Baltimore did a really good job scheming the Steelers up on offense. Uh, they made the Steelers have to think uh, on a number of different occasions. Uh, a lot of them had to do with Lamar Jackson being in there, but there was the play. We had the tight end basically in the guard spot in the unbalanced line. I mean, that's, heck of a heck of a call. Uh, yeah. That's brilliant, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of what the Patriots were bitching about a couple of years back in the playoffs, right? Some of that kind of creative stuff. Uh, that's going to be tough. I, I think you can probably surprise most teams in the league with that. That being said, I thought Baltimore looked like the far superior coach team yesterday. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the you didn't, I mean, although there was a couple of 12 men on the field for them, so I sure. guess it happens to, to every one of them. But, you know, a guy like Eric Weddle, who's in the back half of the defense just being a quarterback back there, you see how valuable that is when you have a guy to be able to do that. And I don't think the Steelers have that ability to be able to do that. They could have had I mean, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing is, is I don't know Steelers offensively how much um, – Randy's making calls, and I'm not saying that Ben's taking over and just, you know, running the game plan. But when you're down 14 nothing, they go no huddle. It's basically him calling what he wants. That's probably why he's not checking too many of the run plays. And, you know, when they're down like that in the Kansas City game and, and this as well. So if you're saying the coaching on offense might not be very good, it might be because the quarterback might be calling a, a number of those plays. But it just seemed like they were one step ahead defensively, too. I mean, there's just too many crossers underneath stuff, stuff that you, you know, what do you, what do you complete? Like 60, 70% of yep. the passes. 
Well, but look on the bright side. There's no special. There's no special team penalty, and Boswell was two for two, and he. I mean, that's a positive, right? It was so positive that last night, whenever I tweeted out something similarly, I forgot that he actually hit the other field goal. Uh, I I forgot that he made two field goals. I thought he only had made the one. That's how little I care about that. It is important to turn that around, but I'll tell you what, Mark, when I look at the schedule coming up, Atlanta's going to come in here, put up 1,000 points. The Bengals are a really good football team, and the schedule just keeps getting more difficult from there. Uh, How dire a situation are these Steelers in right now? Is it panic button time? Yeah, they got to win this week. The good thing about this week is the Falcons defense is probably just as atrocious as the Steelers. They have nobody in the cornerback safety. They lost both of their starting safeties to season-ending injuries. But then you say, who's going to watch cover Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? And Dear Mahomes sweet. And Dear sweet Jesus. That's bad. So, First one to 50 wins, right? I think this will 60. be a turnaround performance. So if the Steelers can able to win this game, go 2-2-1, two, two and one, they played extremely well recently, uh, recently, probably the past 20 years in Cincinnati. I couldn't even tell you the last time they lost in Cincinnati. They've been so good there. Then they get Cleveland, and, you know, they've owned Cleveland over the years, uh, too. So if you get to – man, I this tie always messes me up. What are you, 4 2 and one I hate heading it. Heading down, you know, heading they down. They should give the both teams a loss when you tie. I mean, just you get, know, if you, if you get win, it out of there. If you, if you win next week against Atlanta, to put it in perspective, you're a half a game behind where you were last year after you got whipped by Jacksonville. And when you go three and two, lose two out of three. I mean, if you look at dire situations, what was it, 15 when they were four and five? Uh, Dallas just scored in the last second touchdown. I think they went into November four and five. They end up winning nine games in a row, two playoff games, AFC championship games. So there's a silver lining. Steelers typically get things figured out and start playing better as the season goes on. But this is a little bit of a different team. It has that feel, at least defensively, that no, no matter how long they're together and work out their differences, it's never going to get to the point to allow them to, you know, race off four, five, six, seven wins in a row you need to i mean we see what happened on sunday you have a good defense a poor performance by the offense real realistically the steelers should have won if, if i would have said to you adam the ravens scored 26 points against the steelers you're probably say, yeah they probably win that game so yeah uh, they they needed to win those type of games because the offense isn't always going to put up the 30, 40 type of points, but it looks like now they have to or they're not going to win. But I thought yesterday they let that one get away because even if it was 26 points, typically those are games now. This version of the Pittsburgh Steelers have to win. Last thing for you, Mark. Yes or no, that's all I want from you. Do the Steelers make the playoffs? Go. Oh my, that's not yes or no. It is not yes or no. Ha ha! Uh, I make the rules. I say yes, what? but just barely. If it, uh, let me uh, let me elaborate. If it wasn't for their history of being so good down the stretch, and uh, you know, turn it around in November, December, I would say no. I just still think there's too much talent here that they're going to be able to turn around. Maybe not 13 win season, but I think they can get. In. 10, 9 or 10, and try to sneak in. Doesn't mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think they, I think it's not time to totally write them off yet. We're still week four, five. Goodbye, Mark.
Bye. <laughs> what a dweeb. Bye! And Mark Caballi from The Athletic. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day. Three stars of the show. Other crap. in Pittsburgh. It's the Adam Crowley Show. Take me home. Who will In the back of my pickup. Take me home. Will Greer. In the butt. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Everybody was We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. This tweet coming from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Le'Veon Bell expects to report to the Steelers during the Week 7 buy, a source told ESPN. Bell definitely plans to play football for the Steelers this season. If that information was dropped after Week 1, I think Steelers fans would say, Who needs you? Well, it's after week four now, and since week one, James Conner has carried the ball to the tune of 3.03 yards per carry. If Le'Veon Bell wants to come back, I take him back. The question is, Steelers fans, how far back in the standings are the Steelers by week seven? How many wins do they get before that time? They get the Ravens? Nay. Pardon me, different bird, and not the one that Earl Thomas was flipping, the Seahawks. They've got the Falcons, they've got the Bengals, they've got the Browns. By week. How many games do they win? Tom? That's three. Stop. That's three right there. Stop. No, honest to God, Jeremy Fowler reporting that Bell's coming in week seven. It's over now. They're rolling all the way to the Super Bowl. What's the, what's the max 13-2-1? Yes. I mean, that's just a shot in the arm the team needs. He's back. It makes Soon. a lot of sense for Le'Veon Bell to show up before Week 10. Yeah. That's what you kept hearing. He'll show up Week 10. He's only got to play the last six weeks of the season in order to accrue uh, this year for it to toll on his contract and for it to be in line with what the CBA tells you it needs to be in line with. I could have said that better. It matters not. You know what I'm talking about. The Steelers, however, have the opportunity to put him on the roster exempt list for two games. Le'Veon Bell, by showing up week seven, allows for the Steelers to put him on the roster exempt list for a couple of games and then still be able to toll that against the CBA this year. So, good move by him. Steelers will be dumb if they say, we don't want this guy to show up because James Conner has proven recently that he is just a guy. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> Tom, who had the most catches for the Steelers yesterday? Ooh, put me on the spot. It's got to be Vance? Ryan Switzer. Switzer? Oh, no! For a wide receiver. 
You're right, though. That's a bad sign. I put that out on Twitter. And Rob tweets, I think he could be a Wes Welker type player. Hopefully they get him more involved. I wonder why he thinks he could be like Wes Welker. You think it's a racial thing? It couldn't be. No, it's a height thing. Couldn't be. No way. Caleb tweets, if the rest of the team executed like Switzer at their jobs, we'd be a good team. Guy does everything he has asked and more with the tools he has. People bend over backwards to hype up the white guy, don't they? This little guy's running around catching the football. He has done next to nothing special teams-wise. Oh, we love him because he's white. Yeah, a little white. If everyone else behaved the way he did, they'd be great. The fact that he has played as well as he has, though, that's the not, not a problem itself. But the fact that he's catching more balls than Antonio Brown, that is an issue. A big one. A.B., where you been? Bad news for the Steelers. How does take the day? Woo! Not much of a take. Other crap. Scotty Hartnell officially retired from the National Hockey League. Have you ever seen him and Gritty in the same place? Woo! Other crap. It's been 600 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Tonight's third star of the show, panic button time? Uh, how dire a situation are these Steelers in right now? Is it panic yeah. button time? Yeah, they got to win this week. The good thing about this week is the Falcons defense is probably just as atrocious as the Steelers. They have nobody in the cornerback safety. They lost both of their starting safeties to season-ending injuries. But then you say, who's going to watch cover Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? and Dear Mahomes sweet. And Dear sweet Jesus. Matt Ryan, That's so, first one to 50 wins, right? I think this will 60. be a turnaround. Tonight's second star of the show, James Franklin. How about Penn State being up 13 points and then pooping down their leg? Last year, they were up 18 points on the road, and they pooped down their leg. James Franklin says, we're a great program. We need to be an elite program. Is the next step throwing it when it's fourth and five? I was just going to say, how about being comfortable on calling a pass play? I mean, that's all it is. And all it takes right there is, you might not get it, but at least give me the pass. This isn't a program failure. This was a coach failure. Suck it. And tonight's first star of the show, Crowley's Stamina. The Steelers' offense managed 47 yards in the second half. They held the football for eight minutes. I've had sex longer than that. Not a good sign. Don't shake your head no, Tom. Who let the dogs out? I was wrong before. Adam Schefter says reporting week seven would mean that Le'Veon Bell would miss games against the Falcons and the Bengals but be back in time to play the Browns October 28th in Pittsburgh. I said it would be the next three games. I read it wrong, and for that I apologize. Tonight I will slam my head in the oven at least 15 times as penance for me being not correct journalistically there. So you're telling me we're only winning two games before that comes back. All right, got it. Which means you were wrong, too. Yes. But because you took my lead. Coming up tomorrow on the show, I'm sure we discuss Le'Veon Bell ad nauseum. The Steelers' defense will still be bad tomorrow. It's a Crowley Show.